I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Future Brew right here on MazeandBrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon, and we're going to be talking about some 2022 recruiting today. Uh, now that the 21 class is pretty much all wrapped up, uh, minus a few guys, perhaps, either in the portal or still left out there uh, in uh, the senior class here for the uh, class of 21. But uh, we're going to talk about 22 today. And uh, joining me to talk about that is John Simmons and Steven Ostentoski. John, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Just getting over that signing day hangover. Yeah, and uh, – yeah, exactly. And John, if, if you guys haven't uh, been following uh, the site, amazingbrew.com, John's got a lot of content coming out. Uh, he put out his first prospect profile today, and that is on uh, five-star quarterback J.J. McCarthy. So uh, it's going to be a big series here, and uh, definitely not going to want to miss that uh, on the upcoming freshman here. Uh, for Michigan football. Steven, how are you doing today, sir? I saw you put out a, a video on the YouTube channel that I would love to plug. How are you doing besides all of that? Doing okay. Doing okay. I, I have to do my walks earlier in the day now. It's just getting so dark out. I swear it's like it's like midnight. I just got back from a walk and I'm like, is it 11 p.m. or is it 5.30? So besides that, though, happy to be here. Well, it's, it's be slightly brighter tomorrow. I was going to say uh, it's all uphill from here because uh, days are going to get a little longer uh, now. So we've got that to look forward to, but uh, good to hear it. But, yeah, uh, as always, Stephen putting out good stuff on the YouTube channel there. Uh, he put out part one of his uh, why Jim Harbaugh's contract does not make sense. 
a big discussion there, obviously, with everything still going on. As of this recording, obviously still no contract for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, when we post it. It would be our luck to have Jim Harbaugh sign uh, before this gets posted on maizenbrew.com. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, getting into recruiting, 2022, uh, of course, this is uh, the junior class still technically uh, senior years next season, but it's never too early uh, to start looking at that. And Michigan picked up its fourth commitment of the 22 class over the weekend. And it comes from an in-state kid by the name of Devontae Miles. He is a 6'5", 275-pound defensive lineman. He plays his high school football at River Rouge. He is currently the number 23 overall player in the state of Michigan, number 671 overall. Uh, had other offers from uh, a lot of Mac schools like CMU, stuff like that, uh, but also had uh, Michigan State, had Kentucky, Iowa State, Indiana, Minnesota, a few other uh, Big 12 schools uh, there as well. So uh, it's a position that Michigan needs very dearly in this 22 class, and he is the second already of uh, two defensive linemen to join Michigan's 22 class as Alex Van Sumeren, of course, being the first, the uh, 6'3", 285 pounder from Essexville, Michigan. So, John, you got two in-state defensive tackles now. Um, Miles kind of plays a little bit all over the place. He can play inside. He can play outside. I would imagine by the time he gets to Ann Arbor, he'd probably bulk up and probably play on the interior more often than not. Um, so what exactly does Devonte miles bring to the table that Michigan oh so desperately needs out of this 22 class? Yeah. I think people might get a little worried hearing you say they can play inside and outside. Uh, you know, thinking back to all the guys that Michigan has taken who are, you know, 240, 250 pound defensive ends and trying to turn them into defensive tackles, but that's not the case with, with miles, uh, He's already up to around 280 pounds. Um, and it looks like, from watching his tape, it looks like River Rouge plays kind of a 3-4 defense. So he's on the – he's one of, like, the outside tackles, kind of like a five-tech guy. So, you know, he plays a bit of the edge, but a lot of his responsibilities are uh, what a defensive tackle would do. Um, so he's a lot closer to defensive tackle size than most of the guys that Michigan has brought in in the last uh, few cycles. Um, and I, I like him as a prospect. I think he's still very raw. He's got a, a high ceiling right now, but he, he looks really agile and athletic for a guy his size. He's 6'5", 280. He comes from River Rouge, which has put out uh, some good defensive linemen uh, in recent classes. You know, they had Rook Aurora, Aurora go to Clemson a couple of cycles ago. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone wanted to know about Pius Ojugo this year. Um, if he's, he's committed to Central Michigan, but everyone wanted him because he's over 300 pounds. Um, but I think that he gets good coaching there. And I think with uh, more development in a couple of years, he could be a pretty good solid guy in the interior. Steven, I'll turn it over to you. I think this is a pretty important pickup, even though he's outside of the top 600, let alone the top 500, the rankings will sort themselves out. And I think there's a chance that this 22 class I, I think there's a chance that you're going to see a lot of kids fluctuate within the rankings. They could start out as five stars and then dip uh, into the four-star status, go outside the top 100. I really just think that it's going to be 
very interesting just because you can't really base a lot of the rankings off junior film. You're going to have to base it off senior film. Uh, you'll get some of the kids out West uh, playing their seasons in the spring, maybe fingers crossed. We'll see if that changes, but that's tentatively slated for some of the States out West like California as of right now. So if Xavier worthy had not, wanted to enroll early he could play his senior season of high school football that's obviously not happening but I think there's a chance that the rankings could fluctuate quite a bit here and you could see Miles uh, given uh, his stature and uh, just everything uh, weighing against him and his fellow 22 classmates I think he could rise in the rankings a little bit Uh, I do enjoy what I see out of him uh, in the tape there. So I'll just ask you straight up, just Stephen, how how important do you think this pickup is uh, considering that it it is a position of need along the defensive line? He's an in-state kid and they just really need more bodies, especially at defensive tackle. Yeah, yeah, I can't stress it enough. And especially with just the makeup of the 2021 class, you focused a lot more on the offensive side of the ball. So with the... Uh, potential shift in coaches on the defensive side. Uh, there's going to be a huge stressing point for the 2022 class, uh, in my opinion, to at least be defensively driven um, just because it'll be easier to pitch those guys as well after the 2021 class where it wasn't as uh, highly rated from a defensive standpoint. So um, I feel like we've talked about defensive tackle a million times, and that's because it's extremely <laughs> important. It's ex- extremely important. You know, my I've iterated so many times here that I would take like 10 per class because that, that's where Michigan's just been hurt. And uh, that mm-hmm. 2017 class, the, a lot of injuries or transfers, uh, that hole is going to be there uh, for the next coming years. And getting two guys and Alex Van Sumer and in here, Devontae Miles early is is big. Um, you mentioned his ranking. I'd expect him to probably stay as a three-star. And, you know, despite the 2021 class being hit by COVID, I think this 2022 class is going to be, uh, I would say, like the least correlated class in terms of ranking to performance, just because these are the guys who really missed a key uh, cycle at the camps. Um, you know, this past year, their junior film is really where you see a lot of guys break out. And guys being able to visit those games, that's where you see a lot of those big adjustments one way or the other for these recruits. So mm-hmm. uh, reiterate a lot of what John said about his skill set. Uh, he flashed some speed in space. His change of direction didn't flash too much. So uh, outside of just his size, I don't think you know him coming off the edge is going to be uh, much of his skill set. He's definitely more of an interior guy who is pushed outside because he's just more athletic than anyone else uh, on the off or on the defensive line more often than not. So uh, I think his uh, uh, an aspect of his game that stands out is his wingspan. I think he has some pretty long arms. I don't have like an a- actual measurement, but he flashed some stack and shed ability. And with those long arms and being six five already. Um, that's pretty intriguing on the interior where you have shorter offensive linemen uh, trying to get their arms on the inside of him with his height and length, uh, you know, add some technique there and he's going to be a hard guy to move on the interior. So I'd expect him to be like around 500 or so. He still seems like a three-star to me, but with a pretty high upside. Yeah. You bring up a really interesting point about the potential for Michigan's 22 class about how, 
it's going to be heavily focused on the defense. And uh, John actually put out an article today on maizeandbrew.com live right now, uh, Michigan's early top targets for the 22 class. And John, I mean, you go through these guys that you list as the top targets, and I agree that these guys probably are going to be most of the guys that they – uh, really go all in on Domani Jackson, Will Johnson, uh, Joshua Burnham, the linebacker from Traverse City, Jaden Gold, uh, Anthony Lucas, Joe Strickland. I mean, those are all defensive players right there. The only two guys that John listed here are wide receivers, Caleb Brown and Tyler Morris. We've talked about them uh, from time to time uh, on the site and on the podcast, but you really, really need to focus on defense in this 22 class. And I think Michigan's done a pretty decent job so far doing so adding miles early, adding Van Sumeren uh, very early. Uh, he committed more than a year ago at this point. And then having Tyler Martin also on board, the four-star linebacker, uh, very interesting to see how the rest of this class is going to shape, shape out. You wouldn't, probably think that you're going to get a ton of high-end offensive talent like they did this past cycle with McCarthy and and Worthy and Donovan Edwards, El Hadi, the offensive lineman. Uh, it's just how it shaped out for 21. 22, I would anticipate it being uh, a quite different there. So, uh, John, what do you think about all that? Do you think that there's a potential that Michigan could balance out the 22 class with some of these high-end offensive players, or do you think it's going to be kind of like a mirror image of 21 um, or well, I guess like an inverse of a 21 with, with it being more heavily focused on defense. No, I definitely think defense should be the priority in this class. It should be the main focus. And, you know, I could have added even more guys on there. A lot of people on Twitter are asking about Miles Rouser or Keon Sab, the five-star safety guy. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of guys, even in state, like Dylan Tatum, who could play either way. He could be a good uh, defensive back. Um, so there's a lot of other guys on the board, too, that uh, could also easily been on that list. So I think we're going to have to wait and see a little bit what the defensive staff looks like. Um, you know, after the coaching changes we all expect to happen do uh, happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of em- emphasis should be put on guys who can recruit uh, really well and bring in those guys. You see, you see the job like, you know, Chris Partridge did. Uh, Al Washington, even for one year, he did pretty uh, well. And uh, guys like that, Greg Madison, you know, was a staple for years. So if, if, if Michigan can get back to, to that and kind of get those players back in, you can see, uh, you know, their defense is getting back to what they were, you know, in Harbaugh's first couple of years. Let's move on to an offensive lineman who uh, recently took a visit to Ann Arbor here uh, this past weekend. And it's a guy that... I'm quite honestly not shocked to see take an official uh, self or not an official visit, but a self-guided visit here uh, on his own dime uh, during this COVID that's still going on is Connor Jones. And he's a three-star offensive lineman from Colorado. And uh, he's ranked number 774 overall on the composite. They got him listed as an offensive tackle, but I think U of M is recruiting him as an interior offensive lineman, play guard or center. Um, but he's pretty flexible. He could play pretty much anywhere. Uh, but he took a, a self-guided visit this past weekend to Michigan. He also took uh, a visit to Indiana in Northwestern uh, this weekend as well. So he wanted to hit a few of these uh, Midwest schools uh, in the Big Ten here, and he got to do that uh, with his family. And he said that uh, he got to see all the buildings that he needed to see and got to uh, 
toured through campus, got to see uh, the outside of the big house. And uh, he told me that he thought it had a hometown feeling to it. And that uh, in the event that he's able to take an official visit uh, next year, that he would want to come back to Ann Arbor and take that official visit. I asked if he was uh, planning to make a commitment anytime soon, uh, given that uh, there's really a lot of uncertainty still with these official visits for next year. And uh, he's taken three visits now this past weekend to three Big Ten schools, and he's been able to take visits in the past to uh, schools closer uh, to his hometown. And he said that he and his family were going to sit down and talk about it. He doesn't have a timetable right now, but I kind of get the feeling that that timetable could be coming kind of soon. Um, Just given the fact that he has taken these visits, he visited Northwestern Indiana and Michigan this past weekend. And uh, it just seems like something could be coming sometime soon. I just get that. I just got a weird feeling about it, John. And uh, what do you think about him as a prospect in general? And uh, at the end of the day, how many offensive linemen you think they end up taking? Because at the moment, when when you get to the guys on the list that they have offered already, there's not really one that stands out as a clear top target kind of guy that they're putting all of their eggs into that basket for. I I really just feel like everything's kind of up in the air with the offensive linemen, but I do think Connor Jones would be a take. So what do you think about him as a a potential prospect for U of M? Yeah, I watched Jones uh, tape today. I liked it. I think he's, he's ranked, you know, like 700th in the country. I think he's better than that. He's really good at engaging guys. He's once he locks on, he stays on guys and drives it back. He's got good hand placement. Um, I think he just to work better, you know, sinking his hips and using that huge six, seven frame a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I think people who follow recruiting are going to be kind of, uh, miffed by, uh, Michigan's Ohio or Michigan's offensive line recruiting this year. If, uh, Ed Warner gets all the guys he wants. Cause I think two guys at the top of the board right now are Jones and, uh, Lakea Kapoi, the tackle from St. Louis high school in Hawaii, who is. Uh, not even ranked on the Kapazi. He's like a low three-star and 82 rating. Um, but those are two guys that I think Ed Warner really likes, and obviously they're reciprocating interest as well. And uh, I think he'd happily take either one of them in a heartbeat. So it's a little bit different from last, well, the 2021 cycle where Michigan was in on a lot of guys throughout the whole cycle. They missed out on uh, the majority of them, but they still ended up with a really solid class with three, four-stars and a uh, – guy right on the three, four star borderline. Um, but I can see them taking four guys, you know, around that four or five again, just because you need to always have a loaded uh, offensive line room, uh, just because Michigan's seen a few years ago what it's like not having the depth. And now that they yeah. finally have it, I don't think they want to give it up. So uh, it's interesting. I'm waiting. To, I'm excited to see who kind of uh, emerges as the top guys moving down. But right now I think it's Jones and Kapoy are two of the, the one top ones for sure. Yeah. I've always kind of been in the mindset that if Ed Warner likes a guy along the offensive line, just listen to him. Don't look at the recruiting ranking. If it ends up being a high ranked recruit, that's great. But if not, just trust that it'll probably work out and it probably would have worked out with uh, Zach Carpenter had he wanted to stay on, but he wanted to transfer back home. Rightfully so. Uh, he has the ability to do so. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, you, you see this all the time with Ed Warner. You, he'll take these three-star guys and really develop them, and especially these developmental tackles. Um, you know, Jeffrey Percy is going to be one that I'm going to have my eye on over the next couple of years to see how he pans out because he wasn't super highly ranked, if I recall correctly. I think he was in the top 400, but he wasn't uh, a guy that a, a ton of schools were going after. And, and uh, Zach Zinter was a, a borderline three-star. He was just within the top 300. So, um, Stephen, that's kind of my mindset that I take with this. Um, how, how interesting, Stephen, do you find it that this guy would uh, take all of these trips this weekend and not really, um, not really just be able to do this uh, really just with the pandemic going on and – I mean, just everything going on, really, the ability for him to do this. I really think that there's a lot of interest in him wanting to get this done sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, that's a long trip, so <laughs> it makes sense for him to visit multiple uh, schools on that trip. So uh, I like Indiana as a program and their offensive linemen. I mean, obviously they did pretty well. So uh, Indiana going after him as well, that's one of those programs where like you pay attention to certain programs for certain positions like Utah with their defensive linemen in the past and a couple other programs. It's like the uh, Rutgers running back recruiting, right? There's always a guy they'll go after that another program will snatch up. So uh, I like Indiana um, in their offensive line recruiting. So it makes sense for him to try to knock out a couple of those, but it seems like Michigan came out ahead there. Um, in terms of kind of what John was saying, I, I would expect Michigan to kind of look for three to four guys and it might be kind of like a reverse of what you see for the mm-hmm. 2021 class where you have maybe some more three stars uh, guys in the 600, 700 overall range um, and then maybe a four star. I mean, it's still early, so uh, anything can shake out, but uh, you need bodies, always need bodies, but you're going to, I think, just have more developmental guys just because of how many bodies you took in 2021 is getting a little crowded. So being able to pitch uh, those guys for, um, you know, early playing time, it's not really going to be something that you can confidently do. So it makes sense that Connor Jones kind of falls into that. Uh, I think the main thing when I was watching his film is just consistency that he has to work on. He flashed a lot of different things. Um, He did show the ability to, to, uh, fire out low, but not all the time. And then sometimes his footwork uh, really kind of scared me. So he, he sometimes had a, a good kick step, but not not often. That would be something that is kind of like my, if he really does project on the outside with that size, something that would probably be the biggest area of improvement for him. But he flashed good pop. And I definitely reiterate probably what John was saying, his best uh, attribute is uh, able to stay engaged with guys and run blocking. So uh you know, if he projects on the interior with that size, it'll it'd be a little bit unique, but uh, he did seem like an athletic guy. His testing numbers uh, look to be that way as well. So his ability to pull and different things like that, though he didn't show that on film, I would expect him to do pretty well there. So uh, yeah, he's, he'll be an interesting guy. And like you said, I think Warner has shown enough to uh, to really trust the stock that he puts into players. Yeah, there are a few coaches like that where you just – you, you let them recruit their guys and they'll end up developing them and, and you'll see the results on the field. And Ed, Ed Warner is definitely one of those coaches at U of M. You, you just let them, let them get his guys and you'll reap the benefits later on for sure. So, all right, well, we will take a, a quick break here and we'll come back and uh, 
talk some more recruiting here, but uh, it is now time to talk about uh, sponsor here, Maze Brew Podcast, and that's Homefield. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand out of the Midwest in Indianapolis. And not only is their stuff comfy, but it is officially licensed gear. So they really don't screw around when it comes to their designs. And the cool thing about Homefield is that the team over there studies every school's history, traditions, and legacies to create thoughtful designs that tells the unique story of each university. And Homefield launched their Michigan line earlier this year, and they've got some original designs that you will not find anywhere else from T-shirts to crewnecks. Uh, They really have everything that you need to stay cozy uh, while rooting for your favorite team this bowl season. So if you are looking for some of that vintage apparel, then look no further than Homefield and use the promo code MNB, as in Mason Brew, to get 20% off your entire first order. So go to homefieldapparel.com today. Use that promo code MNB at checkout to get 20% off your entire first order and enjoy all of that premium collegiate apparel from homefieldapparel.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, everybody, we are back, and we are just going to finish our podcast today with just a community conversation, as I called it, before we hopped on the podcast today. And that's just about a few of uh, the staff members uh, in Ann Arbor uh, having their voices be heard on social media. And uh, I want to start with Matt Dudek, and we'll tie all of this in together here. Matt Dudek is the recruiting coordinator at U of M. He's been here for a few years now, and he rightfully so uh, wanted to uh, share his opinions and express his feelings about this 21 class because I'm sure um, him and a lot of the other coaches on staff probably hear from the, uh, the fan base on Twitter quite a bit. So, Matt Dudek on Twitter here uh, last week for signing day, he had said that uh, all the talking heads, negativity, complainers, whatever else, couldn't stop the bond of this class, the bond they have with each other, the bond that they have with us and Michigan. React however you want. Say what you're going to say. They don't care, and I'm with them. And obviously a lot of the 21 recruits reacted positively to that and had Matt Dudek's back, and uh, obviously they don't really uh, care 
what people are tweeting at them. But the one other tweet that I found interesting from Dudek, John, was uh, he was replying to someone on Twitter uh, who said, hey, Maddie, a great observation is that you landed zero defensive tackles and cornerbacks. Obviously, this was before Jane McBurrows ended up signing with U of M. So they did get one cornerback. And he said, explain that one. So Dudek replied and said, I'm feeling happy and generous, so I'll entertain this. Class is far from done. It will play out better than you know at those positions and others. Two signing periods, believe it or don't. Enjoy the class. Enjoy the day. Um, First of all, I just find it curious that he took the time out of his day to reply to this guy on signing day. And the fact that uh, he just points out that the class is far from done. Um, I don't know how far from done it really is i mean you'll probably add a few guys you'll add a couple guys in the portal maybe you get one of these last 21 recruits uh i doubt that they get Air right maybe they get ray sean benny maybe they get george rooks it's not really looking great for rooks at the moment either so i really benny is in my opinion the one final shot that they got at adding uh, at one of those positions so uh john what did you think about the fact that they, the recruiting director at U of M was uh, uh, tweeting about this, saying that they're far from done, tweeting at the haters uh, on Twitter and kind of just trying to f- fan the flame of uh, what has been a pretty lackluster defensive recruiting class for U of M. Yeah, I think part of it was, you know, just an exciting day. It, I think it turned out better than most fans were expecting. So I think he's just trying to, you know, understandably felt a little uh, wanted to release a little bit of the tension and kind of uh, brag a little bit on doing a pretty good job considering all the circumstances keeping this class together. Um, but I also do think there's a little bit of truth in that. Yeah, Benny is definitely gonna, the number one guy that you think uh, Michigan is going to add between the two signing periods um, at defensive tackle or cornerback. Um, and then you you look at the the transfer portal. It's kind of blowing up right now. There's you know, dozens of kids going in there uh, every day now that uh, schools have signed their classes. So I think that's going to be a likely destination for Michigan to try to find another defensive back or defensive tackle. You know, there's just a report that they're looking at the uh, defensive tackle from Charlotte who just entered today. So that could be a possibility. Um, You know, there's not a lot of guys left, at least uh, highly ranked, you know, even high three-star guys left to sign at the cornerback position mm-hmm. besides say you're right. So I think uh, that's even more likely to be the, uh, to go into the transfer portal. So I don't think we're done seeing guys added to the roster, whether it's as out of high school or from another uh, college. So I guess we'll just have to see. I'm glad to have, you know, maybe a little more intrigue for the February signing date since usually that's been uh, pretty boring for Michigan since the first signing uh, day got was established. Yeah, that day has been historically pretty boring, just in general, but definitely for Michigan as well. Um, You know, last year, I think they had maybe one guy sign in February. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was a – I just remember sitting – in my apartment that day and being like, wow, this is, this is signing day. This is, is this going on? Like, hello, earth Two recruits. Uh, it seemed like everybody just signs in December. It's really the new signing day. Um, Steven wanted to get your thoughts on that. And uh, then we'll move on to uh, 
the other coach who had uh, expressed some feelings about something uh, earlier today. So what, what did you think about Dudek? Did you, did you agree with the fact that he went out of his way to do this or how did you feel? I, <laughs> I'm conflicted. I'm, I'm glad that Michigan is continuing to pursue, pursue those two positions, but um, I don't know, man, it, it makes, them feel a little bit more accessible than I feel like they should be on Twitter. Um, I don't know. I know we all see a lot of the uh, vitriol and anger that Twitter has to offer. So every day. Yeah. The knowledge that like the coaches and staff are like actively looking at that, I feel like only feeds into uh, exactly what they are looking to get, which is a reaction from those sort of comments. So I don't love it just from that note, but I can understand. I mean, I, you know, I'm guilty of responding to a lot of those as well. So I'm not uh, claiming to be above that, but yeah, overall, I, I'm happy with the overall message, but, uh, but man, I, I feel like I would have to delete Twitter or have someone else manage my password. If I were in a position like that to not, uh, not respond to it. So I'm understanding of it, but I don't like the, uh, uh, the engagement with uh, kind of that challenging, like the challenging nature of that side of the fan base uh, that, you know, I can find myself on at some points, but I guess that's, that's the point uh, where I'm at. So conflicted, I would say is the overall uh, viewpoint I have on it. Let's turn our attention to the offensive coordinator here at U of M, Josh Gaddis. And in my mind, when it comes to being a, public figure and obviously I'm not a public figure by any means but when someone sends something out on Twitter or types something out on Facebook that essentially is material for the media to just feed off and you'll see it all the time and obviously I'll have I have my opinions about how the media can can do that from time to time and 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 write stories based off what someone says on Twitter um it's <laughs> that's another story for another day, another topic for another day. Um, but this one really struck a nerve with me personally with, with Josh Gaddis. And, and this is what he had tweeted about earlier uh, this afternoon about the fact that uh, Ohio state made the college football playoff. This is the tweet verbatim that you will not find on his Twitter account anymore. He did delete it. Uh, this is uh, quoted here. Regardless of polls, a 6-0 Big Ten team deserves in. No conference has had to endure more. One, the emotional roller coaster if a season would happen slash opt-outs. Two, no fans all year slash environment. Three, 21-day protocol to miss games slash add in injuries slash contact tracing. Four, inability to reschedule, which, yes, he does make a very fair point with all of that. However, Stephen, I want to say you summed it up very nicely on Twitter earlier today that there is a fine line between tweeting something out and thinking something. I could think uh, anything. And if I tweet something out and there's a lot of uh, negative reaction to that, then there could be repercussions, especially if it's something, uh, you know, slanderous or, or libelous or whatever. So Steven, I think you put it very nicely. Uh, just the difference between the two things there. Obviously, you can think something all you want, but once you put it out on Twitter, that's when you're just asking for people to bash you, especially when you're pretty much advocating for your top rival to go to the college football playoff. And in turn, I think this does impact recruiting to a degree. I think if I was a, a player being recruited by U of M, 
by Josh Gaddis in this very moment. And I saw that tweet where he's pretty much saying, yeah, you know what? Ohio State belongs in the college football playoff because we had to go through all of this stuff this year. I would kind of think that that's a little soft. You would not think that Ryan Day or any of the guys over in Columbus would be like, if it were the opposite, they would not advocate for U of M being in the playoff. They wouldn't because they hate U of M more than anything. And uh, they make it known pretty much every day. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts on this? How do you think it impacts recruiting, if at all? Yeah, I, I don't think it impacts it too much because if someone wants to go to Ohio State and they're a good enough player, they're going to do that. And I honestly don't think Michigan is – I don't think this has that big of an effect. I think it's more of like an overall mindset, and that can have larger implications, but that's a longer discussion. And – I just want to be clear, nothing, nothing that Josh Gaddis said was incorrect. He's absolutely right with what he said. It's about the timing of it. If, if we're talking about this a week ago or, you know, a few days ago, I should just say like yesterday or, or before the rankings were released, then it makes sense because having your conference represented in the playoff is a good thing. So lobbying for a team in your conference, that makes sense. So most people would be like, okay, I understand what the purpose is. Uh, but they're already in. And that's the weird thing. It's not like he was in a press conference, which would also be understandable. It's not like he was prompted by the question. It's just a tweet. And I think that's like just the oddity of it, where it's just like kind of like a shrug emoji for me, where it's like, like what, what prompted you into talking about this? Yeah. And so it's more, more of like an optics thing and more of like, uh, just like what prompted that? So it's, it's more of just like, like a question mark where it's overall, again, just back to like that mindset where it's like, Sure, you can think that, and like 100% it's correct, but the timing of that tweet is more what gets to me, where it's like, again, like what, what's, the, what's the mindset behind <laughs> feeling the need to tweet that out? So it, it just kind of, not bugs me, but it, I, I really want to ask him that question. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious what the, what the mindset was there, too. Um, I don't know if he was having a conversation with somebody about it, in in real life or not and then he just decided to tweet it out and see what people thought i have no idea john what do you think about all of this and uh do you think it impacts recruiting at all or do you find this to just be a a a weird (laughs) a weird uh praising of ohio state which really uh, why do that yeah i agree with everything that's been said you know it's more of yeah it's not about if what he said was correct it's more about why does it even need to be said in the first place? And, you know, I think it does showcase just kind of, I think the difference in how the two schools treat the rivalry. I think it's maybe, you know, four hundredth on the list of what, you know, makes the results on the field so lopsided, but I do think it's just kind of a easy thing to point to and say, mm-hmm. why are our coaches, you know, patting Ohio state in the back on Twitter when I don't really think you can expect that from the other side. And so, you know, I just don't really see the, the – there wasn't really an upside to tweeting that, you know. There are plenty of other people making that point or could make that point besides the offensive coordinator at the University of Michigan. Yeah, I think if Ryan Day was reading that tweet from Gaddis, uh, wherever he was at reading it, I think he'd just be like, <laughs> thanks, dork, you know, or something like that. Like, he would just be like, sweet, but, like, <laughs> this guy's still my rival, uh, still hate him, wouldn't do the same for him, so – yeah, Donald Swinney's out here 
being more disrespectful. Yeah, no Ohio kidding. State. Yeah, Dabo's ranking Ohio State number eleven in his coach poll, and and Josh Gaddis is uh, trying to get Ryan Day's address so he can send him Christmas presents. It's crazy. Um, anyways, uh, thanks for joining me, boys, and thank you guys for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. John, how about you? At Simmons underscore John. Steven? At Steven Toski. And follow Maze and Brew on Twitter, at Maze and Brew, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Be sure to subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel as well. Steven's putting out content all the time. It seems like he's living in his room where he records and does all of that stuff. He spends a, a lot of time doing it, so go check that stuff out. And uh, be sure to give five-star reviews for all of the podcasts here on Maze and Brew. We would appreciate it. So thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week.